such a joy, so much fun. I love, we got kind of a packed house tonight. It's awesome. I mean, I know you love me and all, but thank you so much. But enough about me. Now, hey, uh, we've got Pastor Joel coming in at, at the last 15 minutes of service. So I'm going to jump straight to the message. And uh, I made a whole handout for you guys because I don't know how much I'll be able to cover. And I want you to go home if we don't cover it all and go look it up yourselves. There's something amazing about when you go search it out for yourselves that it really sticks with you. Amen. So I printed out my whole handout. I want you to take it for yourselves. Study it. Look into it. There's a lot of explanation on there. And if you have any questions afterward, I'd love to talk to you. But I am so, so pumped about what this message has for you. Amen. The, the title of the message is called The Proposal. Look at your neighbor say The Proposal. I promise you I'm not proposing tonight, so everything's okay. You don't have to worry. I may have got myself in trouble, put myself on the spot. It's cool. Uh, the key verse tonight, I'm going to jump right back into it real quick. It's John 19.30, and it says, When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He said, It is finished. That's one of the most powerful words that Jesus ever said. Amen. And we're going to figure out, we're going to dissect what that actually means later on. But, but the first part I want to talk to you about is the first point is called the plan. Look at your neighbor say the plan. The plan. See, when somebody goes through a proposal just from watching movies and stuff, yeah, it may not be the right way, but I'm just going to tell you what I think it is. Amen? The plan is when somebody, when a man is planning to propose to somebody, he's got to do a few things. He's got to set up the right time. He's got to get the right ring, the right size of the ring. Hopefully he had wisdom to ask what kind of ring they'd like. And then he's got to ask the father. He should. I know you'll be proud of me, a 22-year-old still saying you've got to ask the father for permission to marry the woman. Amen? See, the cool part about this is Jesus did all of that. Jesus did every single one of those things. You know, the Bible, we're going to see in the Old Testament in a moment, that it was always a plan to get Jesus to come and to save us. But Jesus even got authority and permission from his father to come down here and to rescue us and to marry his bride, to, to be engaged to us. Men, I am going to ask you, some of you, uh, I know it sounds weird to say that we are the bride of Christ, but it's such a beautiful thing and I hope and I pray after this message you will see the beauty of what it is to be the bride of Christ, amen? It doesn't take away your masculinity, it doesn't make you look like less of a man, it actually makes you more of a man because you put your eyes on Jesus, amen? But the cool part about this plan is Jesus had to go through some things. Jesus had to fulfill some prophecies, 456 to be exact. That's quite a bit, isn't it? But Jesus, he had to set up some events. Some things had to happen in the Old Testament before he could come and he could propose to his bride. I'm going to take you to a story of Joseph in the Old Testament some of you may have just read about Joseph. Some of you may have not read about Joseph since you were in Sunday school, like some of your kids are right now. So I'm just going to give you the best summary I can. But what I want to do, there's so much Jesus that relates to Joseph. So as we read it, I'm going to stop whenever I can relate Jesus to it so I don't have to go all the way back and do it all over again and tell you the same story twice, okay? So Joseph, he was, Joseph was awesome. It tells us at the very beginning that he was favored by his father, Jacob. Jacob's name is Israel, but just for the sake of us to stay with names, I may say, get names mixed up, but Jacob is Israel, okay? So Jacob was favored, Joseph was, fa already, Joseph was favored by Jacob. And Joseph, jo 
Joseph was the youngest son out of the 12 sons of Jacob. Now, there were two different wives that Jacob had. It's really messed up. If you want to go figure it out, I encourage you to go read it. I'm not going to get in there. It's really weird. But Jacob had two sons with Rachel and 10 sons with Leah. Okay? And when he went, and, and we see that Jacob had, Joseph had great favor with Jacob, Joseph was very favored by God as well. He actually was given the ability to have godly dreams and was, interpreted, was able to interpret those dreams. And because he interpreted these dreams, he got himself in trouble to the people he interpreted them to. His brothers got very envious. So one day, Jacob, Joseph is going out, and he's hanging out with his ten brothers. His other brother, Benjamin, sitting behind. They plot to kill Joseph. They end up not killing Joseph, but they do throw him in a pit, and then they end up selling him to slavery, and Joseph ends up in Egypt. You know what's crazy? is just like this. Joseph and Jesus were both betrayed by their own people. Amen? You with me? So Joseph goes in the entire time of everywhere he is in Egypt, it says that he had favor with God. The entire time he was thrown in prison, he was in a, a Potiphar's house, and then the next thing you know, Pharaoh, he's a good Pharaoh, he's not the Pharaoh in Exodus, he has dreams from God, and he needs them interpreted. So he goes, he hears that Joseph is a great interpreter, so he goes to him, Joseph interprets a spot-on message Two dreams from that Pharaoh had. And Pharaoh ends up elevating him up. He brings him out of prison and puts him in this position. So I'm going to read this scripture right here that we see in Genesis 41, 40 to 42. Pharaoh says to Joseph, You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring. This is, this is cool right here. He took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. See, when Jesus came to this earth, God did something amazing for him. It says that Jesus came straight from the bosom of the Father. God gave Jesus on this earth all authority. Not only that, not only that he made Jesus righteous. Gold in the Bible, I can't get really in depth with it, but gold in the Bible, it represents righteousness. And not only that, he gave him fine linen. Jesus, as we know today, is our great high priest. Fine linen represents high priest in that time. Is that not awesome? But not only that, he said, I'm going to put you in such a position, the only one to be higher than you is me. So the famine hits. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt. They ask if they can take Benjamin with them. But Jacob says no. He says, I'm not going to let the same thing that happened to Joseph happened to Benjamin because Benjamin as I said was from the same family as Jacob it was his full brother at this time Joseph it's the same brother as Joseph at the same at this time Jacob still thinks that Joseph is dead so there's something very impacting here that I want to break down with you guys Jacob in this sense represents God Benjamin he represents the church because he's, he's from the same lineage as Jesus. He's from the same father, the same mother. He's from, and when we're born again with Jesus, we're from the same place. It's, the Bible tells us that we are co-heirs with Christ. So when Jacob is asked by his ten, his ten sons, can we take Benjamin with us? He says, absolutely not. Because the ten brothers from a different family represent the law. The ten commandments. Because God knew he had to hold his church back. And did not send the church with the law because the law cannot mix with the church. Law and grace cannot mix together. Are you with me? I told you I'm throwing a lot at you. 
That's why you have a handout, amen? But when he goes to see Joseph, something happens. This is very, 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 very symbolic here. Is when Joseph sees his brothers, that he looks at them and he could, he could see that, oh, these are my ten brothers that betrayed me. But when they looked at him, it, the Bible tells us that they did not perceive that he was one of their own. So I want you to look at John chapter 1. It's right here in, in these bullet points right here. And it says in the Passion Translation, He, who is Jesus, entered into the very world he created, yet the world was unaware. He came to the very people he created, to those, on who, to those who should have recognized him, but they did not receive him. We're in the same scenario here. It's, it's completely prophetic of what was to come. Are you seeing this? So with that be happening, Joseph ends up throwing his ten brothers into prison. He throws them in the prison for three days. And on the third day, he released all of them but one. And he said, I want you to go get Benjamin. Until you get Benjamin, I'm not releasing your brother. See, what's cool here is Jesus, on the third day when he rose from the dead, he went straight for his church. He bound the law. He completely took away the penalty of the death of the law, what it brought to people, how the law can never redeem you, can never take away consciousness of sins. And he bound it, and he came back, and he said, I want you to go, I'm going to go get my church. He sent Mary and Martha on their way, or Mary on her way to go get the church. Amen? Isn't that good, how good Jesus is? So he brings them back. They convince Jacob to let uh, Benjamin come back. He still hasn't revealed himself to his brothers. But he throws a great feast for his brothers. And when he comes in and he sees Benjamin, he begins to weep so heavily. Like ugly white girl cry when they watch The Notebook. Or me when I cry when I watch Clicks. Till this day, don't know why I cried in that movie. But we don't have to talk about it. It's okay. So... I may need freedom for that, Pastor Bonnie. Um, so, he comes back from crying, and it says, while they were eating dinner, Joseph gave Benjamin, he made sure Benjamin had five times more of the food than anybody else in that room. In case you don't know, the number five in the Hebrew, it's, it's, it's very symbolic. This isn't a coincidence. He gave Benjamin five times more because five represents grace. So as we see that Jesus completely put, bound up the law, and he got his church back. He gave his church nothing but a sufficient amount of grace. Nothing but a super abounding amount of grace. The Bible tells us in Romans 5.20 that where sin is increases, grace superabounds and much more after that. And that's exactly what he shows us that he did in that time. Amen? So then, once they get done eating, Joseph ends up revealing himself to his brothers that it's him all along. And he doesn't strike them down. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't hate them. But he actually says, I want you to go get my father and all of our family and bring them back. Because I'm going to give you a very specific land that you are going to dwell in. And the land is called Goshen. So Joseph goes and he tells Pharaoh what, what he just did. Pharaoh, in this sense, represents God. He's a good Pharaoh, like I told you. He's not like the one in Exodus. Pharaoh rejoices that he gave him the land of Goshen. But not only that, he says, I love that you gave them that much land. But not only that, I'm going to give them all that is in Egypt is now theirs as well. Yes. See, when Jesus brought us in, Goshen in the Hebrew, it means to draw near. So when Jesus came and he saved us and every person who becomes a believer in the body of Christ, you are now drawing near with Jesus. And that's why it says that we, he's brought us up to heavenly places. That's why the Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven. That's why it says that we are one with Christ and we're co-heirs with Christ. Amen? 
Are you with me? Yeah, so literally, oh man, I wish I had a long time to just dwell on this part. He literally gave everything for us. And this is not even what actually, this isn't what happened yet. This is way long ago after, this is Isaac's grandson. That's not even a long time after that. But what I'm getting at here is there was always a plan for Jesus to come. There was always a plan for redemption. There was always a plan for grace. And there was always a plan to take away consciousness of sins. Amen? So see, Jesus had the plan for this proposal. He had the plan to get the right timing of this. But everywhere in the Old Testament, I promise you, you can find story after story after story that shows that Jesus was coming. Can I get an amen? amen. Next point, the proposal. Say the proposal. The proposal. This is a really cool part. We go back to John chapter 19, verse 30. It says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is a cool part. It is finished. In the Greek, I know it's tetelestai, which means fulfilled. But if you take it all the way back even to the Hebrew, it means kala. It comes from the root word kala. Kala is a homonym. And it means two different things. A homonym means it's the same word, but it means two different things. One word, one form of it is to come to fulfillment or completion. The other word is bride. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just say everything's fulfilled. It is finished has such a powerful meaning. It means everything has come to completion. I have fulfilled the law. I am spotless and blameless, and I have redeemed you, my bride. That very moment, Jesus was able to say, you are my bride. We can be one because I did it till the end. Amen? See, Jesus did the very thing that we needed him to do. And this is the best proposal that he can give the church. Every person that is an unbeliever, this is Jesus, his forever stature, his state of being on a knee. Because this is his qualification to ask him to marry us. Can I get an Amen. That made Jesus possible. It made, it made a possibility for him to ask us into engagement. What's cool right here in the Hebrew culture, I think I wrote it in your handout. It says, in the Jewish culture, the engagement was a prenuptial contract which was entered into before witnesses that gave legal rights over the girl to the bridegroom. The moment you accept Jesus, you receive a legal right, or he received a legal right to have you. He had a legal right to redeem you and to take you in as his. That's why whenever you become born again, it gets harder and harder to do wrong. Not because we're supposed to be these perfect people and get everything right, but because Jesus is in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He gave you the perfect ability that whenever you mess up or you stumble in sin, you say, no, that's not who I am. He completely changed your identity. You became one with him, a part of his, a legal right, a legal authority to be identified one with Christ. Amen. There's something cool here that goes very well with this. If you go to Luke 9, 58, it says that foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If you look at lay his head, it's the Greek word klino. Klino means to rest, to repose, to incline, recline. So Jesus left all luxury of heaven. He left the city with streets of gold. He left Pearl, gate, gates of pearl he let the sea with glass angels everywhere sitting with his with his father to come down here to have nowhere to lay his head to go, come down here and be the lowly, lowliest of low right he had nowhere to rest he did not rest until you see in john 1930 
when it says that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's the exact same Greek word, bowed his head, klino. Jesus was able to rest once he discovered and knew for certain that all of humanity was saved and they were able to become his bride. Can I get an amen? Are you with me? That's how good he is, man. He was finally able to rest in that very moment that he, know, he knew that it was finished. See, Jesus found his rest in our salvation and we find our rest in his sacrifice. We know that he did it all. We don't have to do man-made works to get right with God. We don't have to go slaughter a goat just so we can be redeemed again, amen? Because the blood of Jesus is on every one of you. It, it says that the blood of Jesus remits sin. It wipes it away completely. I'm going to wrap up right here. Look at your neighbor say the promise. The promise. This is really cool right here. This is after the believer has become born again. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, And because of him, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride. It's the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a, future, of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom. All for the supreme glory and honor of God. Jesus did not abandon his bride the moment that he resurrected and ascended into heaven. He told his people, he told his disciples, I'm leaving someone. It's better if I go because of what I leave for you. He left us his Holy Spirit. I tell people this every time I get to preach about it. The Holy Spirit's not weird, man. He is a person. He is alive in you. It says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Amen? It says the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus saying this, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He's our Comforter. First uh, John 2.20 says that uh, we have an, anoint, an anointing from the Holy One and we know all things. And the Holy Spirit in 1 John 2.27, it says that He abides in us. And we need no human teacher because He teaches us everything. Amen? That's how good He is. And He always points us back to Jesus. That's His one job. To remind us what Jesus said. To show us what Jesus is doing. See, the Holy Spirit, He's just like an engagement ring. I, I've never seen a woman in TV shows, movies, like I said, or in real life. That no, no woman who is, has an engagement ring on, who's engaged to her fiancé, hiding her ring. Embarrassed that she's engaged. If she is, that's really dangerous, and I hope she stops. You know, that's, that's not going to be healthy. Keep going down the road. I'm just saying. Once again, we have freedom ministry for people like that. If, at least I can get you to laugh. Amen. But see, that's the crazy part is I think a lot of the church has come to a place where we want to hide our engagement ring. We've gotten to a place where the Holy Spirit's become weird or we know that there are other people in other churches that aren't too big on the Holy Spirit. Guys, He is. If you just show Him, He's not weird. People just need to know He's full of love and He's all about revealing us to Jesus and showing us more of Jesus. He reveals the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Jesus, which are hidden in Jesus. Amen. The Bible shows us that it's all about just revealing the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge in Him. And the Holy Spirit's here for that. So I'm going to close here in a moment and let Pastor Joel come up. I want to pray for you. But guys, I want you to understand that you are the bride of Christ. 
And there's a coming day. See, the, your engagement ring shows you something. It shows you what you're in now and the promises to come. And it shows you about the day that he's coming back. I love what uh, Todd White says. He says, the rapture, it's not a rescue mission. It's a pickup for a wedding date. And that's what he's doing. Amen? To get you excited. But he loves you guys so much. Let me pray for you. And Pastor Joel's going to come up here. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Thank you that you're so full of love, so full of, that, that your mercies are new every morning. As I heard it yesterday, Lord, that your grace is, a, is as numerous as the waves in the ocean. So, Lord, we just thank you for the ability to talk about you, to share the good news, to talk about your goodness and your faithfulness and the abundance that you give us. So, Lord, we receive you today. I thank you for everybody in this room. Let them know that you offer Jesus the greatest proposal that we could ever receive and that we walk out our engagement fully proud of you, fully expectant of you to show up in our lives and knowing that you have nothing but promises of God that you have stamped the word yes with. So we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hey, give it up for Pastor Joel.